Welcome to Sports and Songs, episode number 40. We are your hosts, Dan and Andy. Andy, how are you doing today? Doing good, yourself? Well, we're down to the final uh, one week left of Major League Baseball. As the viewers and the listeners here can see, little White Sox cap today. They're now second best record in all of American League Baseball and essentially have won the Central League title. Now, this is in no is way saying that I'm a fan. I'm just wearing the cap. No bandwagon, no. Just uh, just a hats off, uh, kudos. South side of Chicago, first time in the playoffs since 20, 2008. They got some good guys. They're leading the league in a lot of different categories, hitting it. I think they're the surprise team, along with the San Diego Padres of the National League. What are your thoughts? I just hope it's not a flash in the pan and they go back to playing 450 baseball next year. I want to see a consistent team. I want to see the Twins have one of the best records and they're, until Cleveland had a reality break, they were third in the division. You know? So that's what I want to see. I, I love seeing our division, the one the Twins are in, be the strong division for once. Instead of the, well, of course you're winning your division. I mean, 87, the Twins won what? 86 games, 87 games and won their division. 87. Yeah. Now they're playing six hundred ball, and they were third. So it's nice to be in the strong division for a And like you said, the you know it looks like it's going to be the uh, three teams coming out of the central into the playoffs, perhaps. So, yep, um, that is tough. But we'll get to more of the major league baseball in the in the baseball segment. We've got a lot to cover there. Uh, we got it's the middle of September here, Andy. We've got uh, lots going on as the fall season is uh, approaching with high school sports. Right. College, uh, pro, lots going on here. And once again, this is episode number 40. So we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, which is in November. But uh, we've got 40 episodes here under our belts. uh, And uh, once again, we've got a Twitter page, Instagram page, Facebook page, and YouTube So we got a bunch of a bunch of activity, but um, it's always interesting. So let's start off with some sports for the week. What have you got for us, Andy? Yeah, you know, right now we should be saying about college football, um, the Division One, old Division Two, uh, whatever you want to call it. They should be like three or four games in right now. We should be all excited. We should talk about how we're getting ready for conference play. Um, look at NDSU's schedule right now. All the games are postponed. They still list one game for October third being good, but I think that's just a typo. I don't, I don't see Central Arkansas. I don't see Central Arkansas coming to Fargo for one game. Well, you know, you know what that is, Andy. I looked that up. I saw their schedule, and what they're going to do is pushing all the games to the spring, but they're going to keep one game, that one, as a final wrap up to the fall warm up season, practice season. Practice game. Okay. 
So I think that's what it's. I think that's what it is because I saw that too, and I was unsure why that game scheduled. But they are selling tickets for the Fargo Dome to go in to watch that game with limited seating, of course. Yeah. Here, uh, just this week, the Division One Council approved it. Says they adopted playing and practicing football model for school. The plan to participate in football in the spring. Members also approved a framework for the Division One football championship. Um, as you know, in FCS, they have a playoff format, kind of like uh, college basketball. Um, they'll be conducting that this year from April 18th through May 15th, and they'll have 16 teams instead of 24, and the framework will follow that way. Uh, the championship framework will be approved by the board of directors next week. Um, uh, beginning September 21st, teams may conduct on-the-field practices, and after the 7.30 first, they'll play games. So they're kind of hitting the ball rolling there with them, um, like the special seating arrangements and stuff will be done. Good luck for teams like NDSU where you're turning away fans and now you got to put a limit on it. But from going to the Bison games the last few years, a lot of fans are getting upset at the end at other fans because they all show up at the beginning or they show up halfway through the first quarter tailgating. Bison will get a big lead then everybody's leaving at halftime. But now if you're only selling 25% of your seats, are you going to waste your time going for just that? Maybe the real fans that want to watch a whole game will get a chance to go. That's what I'm hoping for. We'll see what the season ticket holders do if they sell their tickets. That time of year, you can change your schedule. You know, you're a season ticket holder. You block off those weekends when you see that schedule come up in advance. You get it off from work and have family come to town or whatever. And now it's changing. Yeah, most people can readjust their lives, but maybe they can't. some sports going on high school-wise. Uh, Minnesota, not football. Sorry. But uh, boys and girls soccer. Um, still, I, my son played soccer in high school. Dan, I know your kids played soccer. Um, so it's still fun to watch something new. It's tough up there, for crying out loud. So here we go. Here we got the top five for the conference classes in Minnesota. Uh, Two-way boys. Uh, top five, Wyzetta, number one at 301. Diana is number two. Uh, St. Paul Paul Central, I'm sorry, three, East View of four, and Minnetonka at five. For 1A, we got Brecket one, Austin two, Academy of Holy Angels three, Bologna to number five. Mm. Uh, the Wright County Conference, which is kind of where we're located here for the show, um, you know a lot of these towns are in Carver, and it's kind of called the Wright County Conference, so geography majors don't come down on us. We'll go by what the State High School League has a call. Right County Conference, got Raconia at first, 4-0-1. Uh, New Fred second, Mount West Tonka, Holy Family. 
Bordo Delano at one and four. Jordan Hutchinson and Rock, Rockford. Uh, how are they going to listed? All tied for last at 0 3. Early at soccer, we'll see how it goes. I don't know what the high school playoffs are going to be this year for the sports. They're going to expand them or not. So no one's out of it. Uh, the independent conference, uh, Duluth East is first. Uh, Mayor Luther is in last at 1 1 right now. There's a ton of teams in independent. Again, not knowing how it's going to go. We'll see for the playoffs. Uh, girls, 2 A. And these are all as of September 15th. Uh, Edina first at 5 0. Uh, Centennial, Rosemont, Champlain Park, and Stillwater for the top five. Uh, 1A girls have Montevideo number one, Vanilla St. Margaret, Academy of Holy Angels, Tina Grace, and Lake rounding it off. And in the Red County, you got Watertown Mayor first at 5 0. Um, Waconia, Orono, Holy Families in that conference, New Prague, again, Delano, Mongols Tonka, Hutchinson, and then Rockford and Jordan bring up the rear. So, there's still some sports going on. You need your little fix to go out and watch. Support the high school sports. This is one way of doing it. You can't go to the football games. Pretty sure basketball will be starting on time. Go see the soccer play. So you get a chance to catch up with other friends, the other parents. It's a thing to do. It's fun. Um, go support the high school sports, please. Um, moving on to pro sports, the NHL's uh, Stanley Cup Finals will be getting tonight. Saturday yep. night. We'll be on the podcast Sunday. Game one was last night. You can see the scores on our Facebook page. Uh, the Dallas Stars. At one time, North has the Minnesota North. And the Tang, who hockey people refer to as the Bolts. <laughs> uh, um, 6.30 Central Time on NBC. I personally have Tampa Bay winning in five. Uh, that's just still because I'm bitter than the North. No logic of who's better players. I just consider the North Stars in the market. So. Uh, WNBA, women's professional basketball. They're in the semifinals of theirs. Um, they have been bubbled down in Florida. And the Lynx have made it to the semifinals. They'll be playing Seattle in that, on that side of the bracket. Seattle, very good team. Seattle beat us both games this year. Handily. Uh, but we'll see. That's why you play the game. Seattle's the two seed, we're the four seed. And then uh, the winner of that will play the winner of the Connecticut Las Vegas series. Uh, best of five. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully by next week we'll have an update about how the proceedings at the Lynx are going. And uh, getting back to soccer, uh, the Minnesota Loons, Minnesota United FC or whatever the full name is. The Loons. They're sitting third place in their division right now, three points out of first. Kind of like hockey was standing, you get three points for a win and a tie and stuff. Um, so follow the loons. They're fun to watch. Uh, I think Channel 17, a local channel, shows their games every Saturday night and once in a while. You can hear them on uh, local radio here in Minnesota. Fun to follow. Just a fun team to follow. Um, kind of get your fix for sports. But uh, that's what I got for the pro sports. I know we're going to talk about baseball later. Did you have anything else on uh, sports, Dan? Well, I've got <clears throat> I've got high school high school updates, and it's gonna be it's gonna be part of a new segment we're gonna be doing here at Sports and Songs, a, a a similar section to like a Where Are They Now or local athletes high school, 
that have gone on to the pros uh, to reach that next level, next caliber of sports. So we're going to be covering some of those. This will also be in our blog, but I've, I've picked three for today, Andy. I've picked three, kind of a where are they now, what are they doing, and I'll start off with the first jump, Apple Valley High School, went to Duke, played two seasons at Duke, wrapped that up, elected to go pro, uh, he was the, he's the brother of, of Tyus Jones out of Apple Valley, very good, he was the ACC Player of the Year last year, and is elected to go pro, he's expected to be a first round pick, and the draft is next month. Uh, that's an October draft for the NBA. He'll be one to watch uh, as a local local kid here uh, looking for Trey Jones. The second one I've got is Maddie Dean. Maddie Dean is a Jordan High School grad. Went on to play basketball four seasons at Drake. And she is now in her second season playing in the Cyprus European Professional Basketball Team there. And she was the uh, named the Player of the Year, the Import Player of the Year last year in her league. So she's pro, kind of in a European league there, uh, but was played the uh, uh, first team All Import Player. Uh, and what they call there is, I think the import there is just the outsiders coming in and playing in that European league. Uh, she was no not only on the first team, but was actually played, uh, given, uh, awarded the. Player of the year. She was third in scoring, actually, as well. She's still keeping her hopes alive and, and coming over here and playing in the WNBA. And the final one I've got here is, if you remember the name, Logan Shore, Coon Rapids yeah. high, high school baseball pitcher from Coon Rapids, graduated in 2013. He went on to pitch for the Florida Gators for three seasons in D1, went to I think one of the college World Series, maybe even two appearances there, but uh, he was drafted second round by the Oakland A's in 2016. Played a couple of years in the minors with them, traded to Detroit Tigers, and was slated, I think, to be in AAA this season. There was no minor league baseball. But he was invited to camp, big league camp, working his way up. And if you look on the Detroit Tigers taxi squad right now, Basically, the taxi squad, he is listed, has not made his Major League Baseball uh, debut, but is at that next step, just waiting. There's only a week left of the season. They're, uh, they may make the playoffs, but if someone gets injured or hurt on the pitching staff, he's just a call away. So look for him to possibly come up, and that his name is Logan Shore. Those are the three that I've got for this week. I'll cover some other ones in the upcoming weeks, but in the meantime, we'll check out the, be able to check out the blog. On our page. You mentioned the one guy now playing over in Europe for basketball. Reminds me of a story about Becky Hammond. She's an assistant right now in San Antonio. She has a chance to go uh, It's a head coaching job, a couple of spots opening up. Anyway, she played college, played WNBA, very, very good player. But she also played for WNBA in the offseason while the girls played in Europe. She played on the Russian, a Russian team. Well, when we lived in both countries, she had dual citizenship. She played in Russia, had Russian citizenship also. When the Olympics came along, though, she did not make Team USA. So she played for Team Russia because she had citizenship there. A lot of American players held that against her. She's like, my dream was to play in the Olympics. I live in this country half the time. It's kind of a second home. So it's not like I just picked a team to play on. So if she doesn't, like, like you know, you mentioned Maddie, very well, citizenship, 
home in the Olympics coming up too. If she's be an international player of the year, uh, that'd be an anti-Canadian hero for the Olympics too, if not here in the WNBA. Very good, interesting stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of you know Minnesota is such a, a hotbed for sports uh, athletes to come out of this state, and and a lot of us uh, seem to lose track. It's not in the newspapers that much, but uh, we'll try to keep that alive. Some of the local local kids here with Minnesota connections, uh, either growing up in Minnesota or playing college in Minnesota, and things like that. So we'll cover that in the future as well. But that's all I've got for sports this week. Very good song. All right, what have we got next, uh, Andy? Well, got a lot of baseball stuff going on. Just a couple of notes of uh, games going on here um, the, in the Washington area, Seattle. They've had some fires over there. Uh, there are games with the Giants. They moved down to San Francisco. I saw some pictures a couple weeks ago from the Dodgers games, A's games, Giants games. Um, you can see the background all orange from all the fires going on out there. Not taken away from anything, just hear me out. If they were allowing fans into these games in California, you saw them playing at the orange background. If they were letting fans into the games, would they still play these games? I mean, you're just bringing a bus load of players in. Easy to evacuate them if things went sideways real fast. But if you got 20,000 people, 30,000, whatever a stadium holds, would they have still held the games, do you think? You know, um, would they move them? Rather south, they postponed them. Would they, you know, it's kind of the pandemic baseball world we live in now. Is again, I'm not taking away from the players. Like I said it was just players. I'm not belittling them at all. I'm saying it's easier to move 100 people now than a stadium full of people, traffic, highways, everything else. And also with the pandemic baseball, they could move the games up in time. They have that flexibility. So I'm just kind of a curious thought, something to think about on stuff like this. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. We ask, we always ask for for folks to leave the comments uh, and even you know questions uh, down below yeah. on our Facebook page and whatnot because these are interesting things. Because like you said, there's only two teams playing down there. They're down at field level. Is the smoke an issue? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But if there was thirty thousand fans in the in the seats, what would they do then? Uh, and and like you said, this is California. One thing that I wanted to mention is they've having the same issue in Seattle, and folks do think that Seattle is a dome or an enclosed dome, but Seattle is more of an umbrella, if you think of it that way. The sides are open. The top is enclosed or covered in the event of rain or, or whatnot, but the sides, you can still feel the breeze coming in from the outside if you're at that game, so... That's why they close that because the winds are blowing in with that smoke, and uh, I've had some uh, folks question why would they do that in a, in a dome? And well, Seattle's a little different like that, so that's why they had that. But it's a good question anyway to bring up. Which also brings up some stuff we're talking about. You know, I mentioned earlier this week in the production meetings, Major League Baseball has announced uh, the dates and locations for playoffs, uh, September 29th. AL wild card, the higher seed being the home team. September 30th will be the National League wild card, the higher seed being the home team. And October 5th, the AL Division Series will take place in San Diego and Los Angeles. So they're going to kind of bubble everybody and bring them over to one area. National League 
will be in Arlington and Houston, Texas, starting October 6th. Then the 11th and 12th, um, the AL Championship Series will move just to San Diego, which sounds a little weird, AL playoffs in a National League park, but you know what? Life moves on. National League Series will be in Arlington, Texas. Oh, look, National League in American League Park. Life goes on, folks. Let's be happy we got baseball. And then the World Series is going to be in Arlington. Game 1 is October 20th. Game 7, if there is one, would be October 28th. So basically it sounds like the only other calendar is going to be two games, day off, three games, day off, two games. Like you would normally, just now we don't have travel. And like Dan and I talked about, we'll take the World Series, for example. If you're the home team or the road team, are they going to make them switch locker rooms? Or they just say for the week, hey, set up shop in this locker room, this is you. You just always be the third base side, I don't care if you're home or away. Are they going to make them switch on that day off? It'll be kind of interesting to see how that works out. Uh, one thing we are tentatively planning, like Dan said, our, uh, our show's one-year anniversary comes up in November. October 24th, Saturday, scheduled for Game 4 of the World Series. That game, we will be live tweeting during the game, giving our updates throughout that Saturday game. We have a little gathering with the with the uh, followers and our fans if they want to follow us on Twitter that day, or we'll get together maybe at a, if establishments will have us. Let's say it that way. Not because we're bad people, but because just can't be in them. But we'll, we're working on that, so kind of keep that date penciled open on your calendars October 24th, Saturday. But yeah, so there's the playoff schedules. We put that on the Facebook page. Kind of curious to see how they do that. If they make teams switch locker rooms, if you're home or away, they'll say, here you are, stay there, have a good time. We will see how that goes. One thing, Andy, I got one yeah. thing on the on the constant stadium there with where they're going to be yeah. staying. I think due to the COVID and the bubble and the isolation of the players so they don't spread anything, I do believe the clubhouses will be locked in and the dugouts will be locked. I don't believe they're going to be switching over. I can't confirm that, though. Yeah. But I would have to guess with the contamination and the germs and the sanitization, they'll just stay there the entire series uh, in that same clubhouse and in that same dugout. And so I think all they'll switch then is the home and away teams, right? Yep. Okay. You switch your jerseys and that's it. Gotcha. And uh, batting order, you're that first or second. Cause I just know a lot of stadiums, so that unwritten rule home. Home team's on the third base side, but, you know. But, um, you know, and you look at the way the standings are right now, too. You know, um, A's, White Sox, and Tampa are in for the American League. The Dodgers are in for the National. So we'll see how that goes. Um, it's kind of weird seeing magic numbers for playoff spots, but they have them, you know. Uh, but it's kind of exciting. I like the, the format. Um, I like the fact that it's going to be done before November, too. That's kind of something we haven't seen in a long time. The other... I think if baseball expanded the playoffs, I'd be okay if they cut back to 156 games. Six more games, all the records, purity, you know what? I'd rather see playoff games than six more meaningless baseball games. Correct. One thing I was going to say, too, Andy, with the playoff format, it's going to move along pretty swiftly as they're not going to be these... Uh, travel dates. There's not going to be these uh, built-in extra dates in case of rain or makeup. Uh, these 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 games for the American League are going to both be in San Diego and Los Angeles. Very very 
rare to have a rain game delay or even a uh, you know rain out. So the chances are it's going to be sunny there. Play those games; they can get those in quick. No travel dates; they just get get them quickly moved along. The National League is going to be playing indoors at Houston Minute Maid Stadium, which is indoors, and the other field is the brand new one, also indoors in Arlington. And so, once again, both will be those in Texas. Good weather, uh, indoors. No threat, per se, of any games being delayed. Uh, you know, one could argue that the threat fires in California could impact those American League games, but I think they got it set up pretty good that these games will be moving along very swiftly and without chance of uh, delays or rainouts, which will be nice. Yeah. No. No cold games either, except for that first round. There's no cold. We've got some teams here that could be playing at home with the Chicago Cubs, New York Yankees, Minnesota Twins. There could be some colder games, but that's only that first round. After that, they move to those bubble sites. Right. And I know the Twins had a, was it the Twins last week with the bubble with no fans, the games in L.A. If there is rain that night, they could just move it up to an afternoon game. So I got to try to accommodate all the fans coming in, changing the schedule last minute. Or if it's an afternoon, you move it to night. So they have that flexibility, so you won't see any postponements, I don't think. You'll see it just move right along. And like, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but for, for the listeners, that first round is best of three. The second round is best of five. And then the final two rounds, the championship series and the World Series, are the typical best of seven. But I think it'll be fun to watch. They're going to move. They're going to move along. More teams are are in it, but they're going to be eliminated much more quickly, and the games will move along much more quickly. There's that second night of the playoffs. I looked it up. There's going to be eight games going on that day. Uh, four in the wild card game, one of the National League, and then four game two of the American League. And I think that's next Wednesday when those games kick off. There's going to be eight. And then for the sports lovers out there, the following night on Thursday, you're still going to have your NFL Thursday night game going on, along with the Major League playoffs. And so it's going to be uh, get get your TV ready because there's going to be a lot of a lot of good action coming up. And, and here's baseball's chance for TV ratings. NFL ratings the first week and a half here haven't been the greatest to start with. Baseball can show that they got some decent teams in the playoffs. Take a little bit of the NFL audience for a couple more weeks. Get some fans back into baseball. Hopefully we'll see some good ratings, which will say, hey, baseball, let's have more playoffs like this. Hopefully they'll, they'll see that. Now, now, Andy, I've got the divisional brackets up there on the screen, and you had you had made the prediction when the season started that we might see one or two teams with under 500 record making the postseason. And so far you are on... Uh, track there looks like uh, Cincinnati may make it in the National League and Houston Astros in the American League. That would put us at two games. I'm sorry, two teams in yep. the postseason with a losing record. So that's very, uh, very likely here in this in this case. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that works out. I, you know, and that's not taking away from the teams. I'm just saying you had 60 games. You're putting in eight people. Someone could be below 500. Correct, and, was, and so we're entering the final week here of Major League Baseball regular season, and uh, we'll see, we'll see what's going to go on here. This next week should be exciting. Yeah. One more baseball thing I got, Albert 
you know, point of career, he's passing people in the top five, top ten for lists all the time. Albert Pujols isn't really a great interview. And when I say that, it's because you don't see him giving a lot of interviews, which is good for him because every time Albert Pujols makes history, someone else does too. There he is last night getting number 661. Um, when he hit number 660, Ty Louie Mays for fifth, was also the same day Alex Mills of the Cubs had a no-hitter. Uh, May 4th, 2018, Pujols recorded his 3,000th career hit in a game in Seattle. Same day, the Dodgers, led by Walker Buehler, com- threw a combined no-hitter against the Padres. Um, uh, Pujols came close again over the last minute no-hitter in 2020, when he recorded his 2,088th career RBI, passing A-Rod for second on the list. But that was the day after that when the White, guy, White Sox player, Lucas hit his uh, no-hitter earlier this season. So, you know, Pujols, luckily for him, like I said, not a big guy for interviews. I, I still like Elmer Pujols, don't get me wrong. Um, God bless him for the contract he backed into with the Angels, though, because they're paying him for what he did in St. Louis. St. Louis got a steal on his crew for that money. Over, well overpaid, but in all sports, you get paid for what you did, not what you're uh, Pools is a prime example of that. Not saying he doesn't deserve his records. Pools, great player. First ballot Hall of Famer when it comes to man. So, but you know he won't go unanimous because heaven forbid he somewhere won't vote him in because he'd be a jerk. Um, but Pools will go in first ballot when that day comes. Um, hats off to him, great career. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do post baseball. Um, he's still healthy enough where he's playing. He's DHing a lot. So he might have a couple more years in him. But I don't see Elver going to the media side at all, doing play-by-play or studio work. I don't see that at all. But again, I never saw Frank Thomas doing it either. He's having a very good career at MLB Network. He's a good watch, very smart man on that. Um, he's got his commercials. So never thought I'd see Frank Thomas doing that. Here he is doing it too. So, But we'll see. That's uh, well, um, You got any more baseball stuff there, Dan? No, nothing else on my side. All right, next we'll go into uh, this week in sports history and music. Hey, here we go. I got lots of stuff for birthdays in history this week, sir. So bear with me. Here we go. Uh, starting with September 14th, 1968. A little bit before our time. Uh, Tigers, Denny McLean gets his 30th victory of the season. Uh, ended up 31 and 6. A feat accomplished by only 11 players in the 20th century. Uh, Steve Crowther won 27 games in 72. And Bob Welch with the A's got 27 wins in the 90s. And no one's come close to that since. Um, Denny McLean's success in baseball stood marked by a contrast with his personal life. When he was associated with organized crime, and was eventually convicted of charges of embezzlement, which he served time in prison. Um, as we know, with Pete Rose, Major League Baseball problems on federal crime. <laughs> um, so that's that but a little side note on Denny McLean talk about local stuff 1963 he did play for Class A Duluth Superior but he's one of us as WCC always say oh really okay I yeah. didn't know that I believe Denny McLean's career in the minors he was elevated through real quickly I did have a cup of coffee here in Duluth Superior so he is one of us as WCC always say uh, 1991 San Diego State freshman running back Marshall Falk 
rushes for an NCAA record 386 yards and scores seven touchdowns as the Aztecs beat Pacific 55 to 34. In 1994, Major League Baseball owners would vote to cancel the remainder of the 94 season as well as the World Series. It's only the second time in history over a labor dispute with the Players Association. I cried that day. <laughs> I cried through the tears that day. 1996, New York Mets Todd Huffman set the record 41 home runs by a catcher season. Um, the birthdays, 1957, Tim Wallach, third baseman for the Expos, who uh, I thought was a very good third baseman. Kind of like Herbeck was the first baseman, though. Wallach just was a third baseman at the wrong time. You know, you had Boggs over there at third base. You had, you know, Ripken moved to third. Just, Wallach just was wrong place, wrong time for having a decent career. No, Hall of Fame, no. Decent career, yes. All, all-star, yes. 1968, Ginger Nielsen, American tennis star, was born in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Another local gal. September 15th, some history stuff, 1946. The Dodgers beat the Cubs 2-0 in five innings, game being canceled because of gnats. Gnats. 1952, the Braves played their last game at the Boston, in Boston Braves Field before they moved to Milwaukee. Then they're on as those of you who watch the TV show Happy Days know it was sad when the Milwaukee Braves moved to Atlanta. Howard Cunningham cried for years that day. <laughs> 1979, Boston Red Sox Bob Watson was the first to hit for the cycle in both the American League and the National League. He'd done it when he was with the Astros, too. So that's a stat you don't see very often. In 1990, Chicago White Sox, Bobby Thigpen is the first to record 50 saves. I think he did that back-to-back seasons, didn't he? I think so. He put up some big numbers. Save machine there for a while. Uh, 2002, Oakland Raiders quarterback Rich Gannon begins his NFL career, tying Steve Warner and uh, Kurt Warner and Steve Young for a streak of six consecutive 300-yard passing games, going for 403 yards. I think Rich Gannon still lives here in Minnesota in the area. He had a brief stint here with the Vikings. Should have never got rid of him. I think he does, yes. Uh, 2004, NHL Commissioner Barry, Gary Bettman announces a lockout for players in the NHL. So, bad time for sports this week. This is when everybody starts locking stuff down. It's not good. Uh, birthdays for this day, September 15th. Uh, 1951, Coach Pete Carroll, 12s. Seattle Seahawks, and formerly of uh, USC. And also, everybody forgets Pete Carroll. Uh, he was coached for the Jets and the Patriots for a while, too. And I think he was an assistant here in Minnesota at one time. I think so. so uh, birthday, happy birthday to Coach Carroll. Uh, 1961, Dan Marino, football player for the Dolphins. Birthday, September 16th, 1937. Washington Redskins NFL franchise played their first game in Washington at Griffith Stadium where they defeated the New York Giants in the opener 13-3. 1953, the American League approves the St. Louis wants to move to become the Baltimore Orioles. And in 1988, Cincinnati Reds pitcher Tom Browning uh, pitches a perfect game to beat the Dodgers 1-0. In 1993,
Can't hear you, Andy. Hello? Am I still there? Yes, Oops. yes. Okay. Hello, right there. Uh, Maddox from 17th Street Road Victories. Uh, 2012. More NHL locks out to the players again. So NHL, that's where they lost a lot of fans during that 10-year period, 2015-year period where they had two lockouts. Not that they would ever take over and be the number three sport in our country, but that was really a bump for them, I thought. Where even NASCAR and soccer were kind of catching up the hockey for the popularity there. Uh, birthdays, 1934. Elgin Baylor, basketball NBA, long time All Star, has a birthday that day. And 1955, Robin Yount, the Brewers, shortstop and center fielder, birthday. Um, 1958, Oral Hershiser. Picture for the Dodgers, Bulldogs, as they call them. Uh, but he ended his career with the Cleveland Indians last few years he played there. Or in Buffalo, New York. 1959, Tim Rock Reigns. Birthday. Played for the Expos and had some time with the White Sox as well. Birthday. September 17th, 1961. Uh, two things on that day. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, first NFL game, they beat the Bears, 37-13. In that game, Fran Tarkin plays his first game against the Chicago Bears, coming off the bench to lead the Vikings to that win. Also becoming the only QB to throw for four touchdown passes in his first game. 1968, Gaylord Perry of the, then with the Giants throws a no-hitter against the St. Louis Cardinals. 1-0. 1991, 4,355 people turned out to see the Expos play the Mets at Shea Stadium. Not a proud moment. 1996, Dodgers hit O'Neill. No hits the Colorado Rockies, 9-0. I think the odd thing about that, it was a no-hitter in Colorado. That stadium at the time, still now, known for all the home runs there. But the Rockies teams, though, that always had decent teams, too, but no hit at home. That stadium was kind of an odd thing. Uh, birthdays for that date, 1927. George Blanda, the NFL kicker, quarterback. Career record for points, I think, are up there now. I think Gary Anderson passed him, but up there. Uh, 1945, basketball coach extraordinaire Phil Jackson was born. Uh, did play also for the Knicks, had one ring with the Knicks, one or two rings with the Knicks as a player. The rest are all his coaches with the Lakers and Bulls. Uh, 1960, John Franco of the Reds and the Mets, birthday. 1970, Mark Burnell of the Jacksonville Jaguars had a birthday. I, I always like Mark Brown. The lefty. Yep. Decent quarterback. Um, but, you know, he held his own. He was good. Uh, 1975, Jimmy Johnson, NASCAR. Not the not the, bat, the football coach. The NASCAR driver, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy with an IE, as some may say. Here in NASCAR. His birthday, 1975. 1995. Here's where it feels bad. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> My son was born in '95, and he is not an NFL Super Bowl MVP. So I just kind of because Matt is that age, and Patrick Mahomes, you know. So it, it kind of helps me put it in perspective. It used to be when you see players going like, "Oh, he's my like when Garnett came in, he was a little bit younger than me, and now I got someone else great sports as as old as my kid." September 18th, history. 1848. Baseball rules. First baseman can take the base. 
as the runner for the out. Although in the 91 World Series, Ken Herbeck did dispute that rule with Ron Gann. That's, <laughs> he tagged the runner at the base, that's okay. 1963, the final game of the Polo Grounds. 1,752 people showed up to see the Phillies beat the Mets 5-1. 1984, Tim Raines becomes the first player with four consecutive seasons of 70 stolen bases. Now, I see the back of your face. You're going, wait a minute. Four years of 70 stolen bases? Didn't Ricky Henderson steal all these tons of bases and he's the greatest of all time? Looked up Ricky Henderson's stats because I, I question this. We fact check here on the show. Okay, stolen bases, yes. Ricky did have a lot of good years there were stolen bases, but then it's injuries in there where he was not getting 70 stolen bases. So, look up Ricky's numbers. He had 80, he had 100 stolen bases, then he had 56. 130, 108, 66. 80, 87, 41. 93, 73. So, there's some injury years in there. So, he didn't do four straight seasons of 70. Tim Raines did. Take that out. He was, he was good. He was good, but he just had... When you're doing what Ricky did, you're going to pull a muscle. You're going to get hurt. Something's going to happen. Tim Raines just proved that four straight years of 70 health. He was a healthy man. He was a great athlete. Tim Raines was a good athlete, first of all. So pull that out, that's pretty good. So hats off to him for that. 1987. Detroit's first baseman, Daryl Levins, hits home run number 30 off Bill Wagner in the fifth inning. Tigers 7-6 win over the Milwaukee Brewers. First 40-year-old to hit 30 home runs in a major league season. Birthdays on this day, 1933, Scotty Bowman, uh, NHL player and coach for the Canadians. And a lot of people probably remember as a coach for the Red Wings during their run. A hockey coach there. 1952, Rick Pitino, daddy to Richard Pitino, Gophers coach, his birthday. 1955, Billy Sims, football running back, a Hall of Famer from uh, New Jersey, Oklahoma, Pro Bowler, played for the Lions. I was always funny about Billy Sims. I always thought Billy Sims was a great running back. He retires, they draft Barry Sanders, and then give him Billy Sims' number <laughs> right away. Thank you. So that number 20 was just a great number for the Lions for a few years there. Uh, 1968, as we talked about earlier, Denny McClain got his 31st win on this date. And on uh, the same date, Mickey Mantle hit home run number 535. 1973, the National League refused to allow the San Diego Padres to move to Washington. 1988, and I vaguely remember watching this because of the time delay in Seoul, Korea, but during the Olympics, American diver Gregory Jameson hit the back of his head on the diving board. Yes. Uh, remember that. Qualified for the final in which he won the following day. So, nope. I remember watching that very scary moment. You know, he goes in, stitched him up, you know, everything else went back and still won the event. Year 2000, Ken Griffey Jr. pinch hits for his 400th home run. First major leaguer to reach that mark as a pinch hitter. Uh, birthday is 1926, Duke Snyder. American Baseball Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, uh, World Series of 55 and 59 with the Dodgers. I uh, was born in L.A. Um, Duke Snyder, I read his book, uh, Duke of Flatbush, years ago. Very, very interesting book. Uh, good player, one of the few Dodger players I like. 1943, one of the many Cincinnati Reds I don't like, Joe Morgan was born. Uh, second baseman for the Reds, and uh, right after he was in the Hall of Fame, had a cup of coffee, ESPN was a broadcaster. 
1962, also a member of the Nasty Boys of the Revs, uh, Randy Myers, born this day, 1962, in Vancouver, Washington. September 20th, rounding it off here, 1931, Major League Baseball with Lou Gehrig's four RBIs break his old mark of the RBI record of 175 and lead to 185 RBIs that year. Hmm. It's still a seven-season record today. 1969, Pittsburgh Pirates Bob Moose. Moose, no hits the Mets, 4 nothing. Lots of Mets bad news this week, you know. Uh, 1980, George Brett goes 0 for 4, dropping his average below 400 and then stays below for the rest of the season at that point. 1987, Sweetness. Walter Payton scored his NFL record 107 rushing touchdown, the Bears' 23 win over Tampa Bay. And 2013, Alex Rodriguez sets the new major league record with 24 Grand Slam home runs for the New York Yankees. Uh, birthdays for this day, September 20th, 1917, Red Allback, Boston Celtics fame, born. Uh, 1951, Guy Le which is not spelled that way. It's, that's the only French I know of, Guy Le Fleur. Uh, he was born, obviously, right wing for uh, the Montreal and for the Rangers. He was born in Quebec. That's what I got for the sports segment of history and birthdays, which leads and in, segues into the music part. I like the nice smooth segues we have here. September 14th, as you heard earlier, 1974, Eric Clapton's I Shot the Sheriff, a song originally done by Mom Mar- Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. It's number one on the Hot 100. It's the only number one Clapton ever had as a solo artist or with his bands. Yardbirds or Derek Predominant. Again, fact checking. Tears in Heaven only hit number two in 1992. Lay Down Sally hit number three in 1970. So, I shot the show was the only number one for class. Hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I would have thought some of those creams or whatever, what a band song would have number one for a week. You know, like, nope, that's it. 2004, Megadeth returned after a two year hiatus. System has failed. This was originally intended to be a solo album for the band, for the band's founder Dave Mustaine, but due to contractual obligations owed to his publishing company, it had to be billed as a Megadeth album. 1985, the TV series Golden Girls debuts on NBC. The theme, the theme song "Thank You for Being a Friend," written by Andrew Gold, was sang by a jingle singer singer named Cynthia Thief. Gold's version reached in 1978 to number 25 in the U.S. 1977, Cheryl Lynn appears on the Gong Show, where she wows the judges with her version of You Are So Beautiful. This earns her a deal with CBS Records, which issues Got To Be Real on her first single. The disco track is her only hit in the top 100, but she became a regular on the R&B charts. The Gong Show, for those of you who don't know, old like us. It was a variety show back in the day. Um, celebrities would watch and people would come up with their talents. If they didn't like you, they gonged you and you left. If they didn't like you, you went on to win, da 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 da. If you can look up the old gong show, um, Chuck Barris, was that the uh, host's name? I'm not sure of the name. Anyway, they did a movie on his career. He was kind of a goof. Um, but the gong show, lots of little bits on there weren't that good, that was a part of the show, or part of the fun of it. 
look that up. 1947. Birthday. My, one of my heroes as a kid growing up. John Bowser Bauman was shot on off. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, John Bauman went on to host. In the 90s, I believe they tried to redo Hollywood Square's match game TV, game shows. And he was a host of one of those. John Bauman. Uh, he was also in the movie Grease. That's the one band that played at the high school. You see John Bowser Bauman and a lot of the guys from Sean and Oh, really? September 15th, 
born Vincent Brown in East Orange, New Jersey. And 1923 musician Hank Williams was born Perrine King Williams in Mount Olive, Butler County, Alabama. 1980, er, September 1983, Kiss make their first public appearance without their trademark makeup. They show up on MTV to promote their album and single, Lick It Up. I know on the video part of this later, we're going to have a copy of that in there. And uh, we'll plug that in. Well, I've got it. I've got it right here. I'm hoping the fans, uh, the listeners, can can see this. It's a very interesting. Oh, Let's play that. It it goes uh, seven minutes long, but what it does it is, what's that? The yeah, volume on it. Oh yeah, here we go. Look at that. Uh, no, I, I can't grab the audio on it yet because my microphone is on. Yeah, if you look at it up on YouTube and watch it, JJ Jackson MTV has the whole interview right there with him. Um, Vinnie Vincent was new to the band from the album before, Eric Cardone was a couple albums before that. Paul and Gene have always been there. That's a seven, seven minutes in length, uh, the Kiss Unmasking that took place in 1983. We'll leave the link on our uh, on on the podcast. All right, beautiful. Nineteen seventy-eight. Kiss also released their albums, their solo albums. Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Frehley, and Peter Trist all had stories on the same day. Also, nineteen seventy-eight. WKRP in Cincinnati, TV series based on a radio station, which switches formats. Easy listening to rock makes its debut on CBS. And it lasts four seasons, enjoyed support from real radio station professionals because they found a lot of similarity between the characters and the people they worked with. Um, you don't see a lot of reruns of this show. They tried to do a reboot a while ago, and it was terrible. The reason you don't see a lot of reboots of this show is because all the artists whose songs were played lost royalties because there wasn't in contracts back then. So if you were to rerun this show, you have to pay all these singers royalties all the time. There's no way of getting around that, so they just haven't redone the show, which is really sad. That's that. Birthdays on this day, Vancouver band Belleville Dubot was born <laughs> in the Rockford neighborhood in Boston. I thought it was the Buccaneers running back. Oh, no, the other Ricky Bell. Belleville Dubot. Your brothers always play Belleville Dubot. You all thought you were all members of Belleville Dubot and saying, no, no. I don't see you and your brothers doing that. No. You should, you should do that for Halloween, you have to do a bell bow. Yes. Although I don't see them being redheaded like the three of you. That's a different story. 1940, singer-actor Frankie Avalon is born in Francis Thomas Avalon in Philadelphia. September 19th, 1987. The Grateful Dead hit number 10 on the Hot 100 in the U.S. with Touch of Grey. Their only song, hit song for that band. And again, MTV's got to get all the new airplay. I thought it was a decent song, but again, 87, uh, that only number, number 10 hit for them. Charlie Clapton only getting one number one. Lots of things you learn here on this show, folks. Very informative. 19, yes. 1985. And again, this is another 
Interesting. Yes, and we'll get to that here. Review of the week. Okay, we're here at the Tattoo Parlor with Jason Inc. Uh, thanks for listening to the regular podcast. This is a special section. Um, going to talk some wrestling here today. Mostly going to talk AEW and NWA stuff. We're kind of shying away from WWE. Not that we have something against it, just overdone. Everybody else does it. So we're going to kind of stay away from the WWE stuff and talk other things. So. Ink man, welcome. Hey, how's or, it going? Or, or thank you for welcoming me in here yeah, today. It's been, been a few weeks, you know, because of, of COVID and, you know, good stuff. And yeah. Yeah, we got 
Now, like you said on there, we put on the Facebook page. AEW has come up with the whole um, elite GM and general manager elite tags lines I want to have. We've kicked around some speculation names. Any names you're thinking of you'd like to see as GM? Yeah, I, I just kicked out a, I just kicked out three of them to you like while we were talking. We had, I had said, uh, you know, possibly Teddy Long. You know, and they had mentioned, you know, uh, the former manager of the of the, the, the great four horsemen, James J. Dillon. I had said to you possibly Paul Ellering. You know, uh, I just kicked out another one that I think would be a good uh, a good choice for AEW. Um, you know, I said Gerald Briscoe. I mean, you know, you had mentioned uh, possibly you said it probably won't happen. We both agreed with that. But uh, you had kicked out, you know, Jim Cornette. Um yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of great names out there. Um, it, you know, there's a ton of choices. I mean, I, I'd like to hear from the fans, you know, like what they think, you know, as far as GMs go. Um, throw some names out there. Yeah, we talked about Cornette. Cornette said on his own podcast, he doesn't like the Young Bucks net, as he refers to it, the flippity-flop style. He doesn't like the fat outs go out, um, you know, High spot, high spot, high spot, all the matches. That's not a Cornette thing. But Cornette tried it when he was in WWE when they tried to back, bring back the NWA title stuff back in the was it the 80s, 90s there. They kind of gave him 15 minutes a week to do his thing. Would the Bucks give Cornette 20 minutes a week to do his, if he was going to bring in Smoky Mountain Wrestling or another brand of wrestling and say, hey, here's Cornette's 20 minutes? I, I think respectively they would, but I think a lot of it, I think they would have, they would have to come to an agreement and, you know, agree that, you know, they can't be taking cheap shots at each other, you know, on the show, um, you know, for, per, for personal reasons. I think, you know, if they came together and they made a business decision, you know, for what's right for business. Yeah. I think, you know, I think Cornette could come in and do a lot of good. I mean, you got guys, like Telly Blanchard and Arn Anderson now that are over there. And I mean, them guys weren't flippity flop guys. And, you know, no matter what their personal opinions are, you know, they've stuck them to the side and, you know, they're, they're helping out a lot of the younger talent. I mean, Arn Anderson, you know, obviously, you know, he was an agent for WWE for a while and he didn't agree with a lot of the stuff that WWE was doing. And he said, Oh, this is what I do differently. But he put his feelings to the side, and he did what he had to do to help out the younger generation. Agree. Now, when we said Cornette was in WWE, that kind of brings us to our next point. AEW has had Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion, on there three weeks now. Um, as we talked about, James Storm is rumored to be signing there. But now, before you say James Storm is leaving NWA, he does have it in his contract, like it says in the article. He is allowed to freelance, go other places. A lot of the Eddie Kingston left NWA has signed with AEW. Ricky Starks. Um, there's been some other names, if not have our rumored on coming over. If you talked about an article earlier, uh, Moxley against Nick Aldis, there was questions on the internet. People asking about that match. Like we've kind of speculated before, if NWA and AEW merge, well, up Billy Corgan, President of NWA being the general manager. Yeah, I mean Billy Cor. I mean Billy Corgan again. I mean he's got his on. You know he's got his his opinions as well. Um, I think if it, I think that it would be good for business. I think again. I think he would put his feelings to the side, and I think whoever he 
doesn't agree with or agrees with or whatever, I think, you know, if the, the, the business decision was right, I think, yeah, I think he, he would be all in for it. Because I think it could only help AEW if those two didn't merge. You know, WWE has their three shows. They got Raw, SmackDown, NXT. AEW is going up against NXT. I think AEW can go Monday or Friday nights and hold their own ratings-wise. With that said, if NWA comes in, could that be like their other brand where they have a different night and every now and then they wrestle each other? Could that be a possibility? Well, I think, you know, what a lot of people don't realize, and again, because it's not, it's, it's on it's on YouTube and it's not on television right now, people people will tend to forget AEW's already got another program. They've dark. got they've got Dark. I mean, and I I haven't tuned into an episode of Dark, but I've I have followed the cards. They 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 preview the cards on Facebook, and I've seen a lot of a lot of indie guys come through that I've never heard of. I mean, that's an opportunity for a lot of the NW NWA guys to showcase as well. I mean, you know. Before Pillman, before Brian Pillman Jr. debuted on Dynamite, he had tagged with a few times. He had tagged on Dark with a couple of the guys and, you know, showcased his talent. And now he's, and, you know, now he is being showcased on uh, AEW Dynamite. And, you know, again, I think Dark is a good chance for people to come in and showcase what they got. Exactly. A- AEW Dark, it's on uh, their YouTube channel for AEW. Also, um, after their programs, Tony Schiavone has an interview pro- bit on there. It's pretty cool. Uh, interacted with the fans online. You got the uh, Be the Elite YouTube channel. So AEW is out there in other formats. I, th- I, th- I think they're. I think they're. They're. I think AEW when it comes to their programs, I think they're playing it just right. I think they're playing their cards just the way they should. They're not trying too hard, and they're putting enough, just enough out there. To where they're not losing the fans' interest. I mean, we had talked about it earlier. You said, you know, that dynamite, even though dynamite's two hours, that it doesn't feel like a full two hours. But you look at you look at the quality of matches that they're putting on. I mean, you go back and I mean, okay, yeah, it was the opening match of dynamite, but that match with the revival against uh against Luchasaurus, uh, a Luchasaurus and man, dude, that that I could go back and watch that match over and over again. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against FTR, yeah, very I good mean, match. I mean, I almost, I almost felt like I was, I, I, I was watching Art Anderson, Tully Blanchard reincarnated. Right, against some big guy and some high flyer, you know, tag teaming up, uh, almost in a way, an old uh, Scott Hall, Kurt Henning type tag team with the big guy and the, and the high flyer guy. Well, and the thing is, is like you know, the tag teams over in the way I look at tag teams over in AEW, they're not your average tag teams. A lot of you know, you got a, a guy like. Luchasaurus or like we were talking about Brian Cage or even like Lance Archer. Okay, you look at them guys, they're not your average big guys. They're not your average uh tugboat or earthquake. You know, right. they, these guys are doing flying ponchas and you know, stuff that you're like, man, the average big guy back in the nineties shouldn't have been able to do. Right. A lot of mid carters and smaller guys didn't do. No. Nah. I mean, you, you know, know. it you know, it's, it, you know, the, the, the athleticism of these guys is a completely different, um, product than the way WWE would have presented them. Right. Let, let me back up a little bit here on what I said. When I said Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and compared them to Scott Hall 
and Kurt Henning. I'm not saying their styles are the same. I'm saying how you had the smaller drop kick. Kurt Henning back in the day, I'm sorry, was considered a high flyer for that genre. Right. And Scott Hall was a big man for that generation, that genre. Not saying those two teams are the same, but just you always saw the tag teams like the high flyers, Bronzel and Ganya, two little guys, or two big guys at the Road Warriors. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy are one of those, you get one of each. So right, right. It's a nice mix. That's what I was comparing Scott Hall and Kurt Henning to, one of each. Oh, no, now, absolutely. Of course, Kurt Henning went to WWE, was introduced to steroids, became a big guy. <laughs> another story for another day. Now, with that said, I think AEW, with all their different formats they have, you know, they got Taz, has Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks. Big Ricky Starks fan I am. We've talked about him on the show in the past. I just, Ricky Starks, I don't think has what it takes to be the guy or upper tier. Ricky Starks would be a great mid-card guy. Um, you know, like you and I talked, well, Seth Rollins is a little guy, but Seth Rollins had the personality and the character. Ricky Starks needs to work on that. Can Ricky Starks be the champ? Yes, maybe in five years, not in the near future. So he's a guy to watch for. Is there any other young guys like a Ricky Starks that you could see in five, six years could be the guy? Um, one guy that comes to mind, I wouldn't say five or six years. I say give it another, I say give it maybe another two. Um, but I, cause, cause I mean, he's already been wrestling for, I don't know. He's already been wrestling for probably six years now. Cause I mean, he was an ROH, but another person I can see up and coming. And to me, a lot of people say different, but in my opinion, he reminds me of a very young Barry Wyndham, and that's Adam Page. I think if Adam Page, and, I, and I've seen Page cut a promo, he's pretty good, but I think if he, uh, once he breaks his silence, I think Adam Page is going to be one of your major breakout stars. I, I just see it in him. Um, a lot of people right now maybe have a different opinion because he's kind of quiet. He hasn't found that niche. But I disagree. I think give it another maybe one to two years, and I think he's gonna be. I, th- I think he's gonna be a major star. He reminds me a lot of Barry Windham. Maybe not as tall, but the look, the way he works, his attitude in the ring. I think he's he's gonna have a bright future. Yeah, he is one to watch. One to watch. You know, and another guy I, I watch and I see, and I'm like. <sighs> I'm really falling in love with Lance Archer lately. Yeah. He's, he really sold me this last week. He, I see a lot of stuff in him. He's got Jake Roberts there for his mouthpiece. And I think Lance is getting to the point where for the next few months, Jake goes off to the sunset. Lance will be fine on his own. I see part of the deal they made was, you know, Lance Archer and Jake teamed up with Taz and his stable. I see those those forces combining, maybe Jake stepping off or Taz stepping off and just one manager for the three because that three as a stable would be scary. Um, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks, that would be a stable. Yeah, you know, Lance Archer and Cage would make a great tag team. Um, you know, I don't want to put Brian Cage under the bus, but I would say that probably Lance Archer would probably carry that right, team. Right, right. Um, but then again... Do you do you put them together as a stable? You know, maybe you know. One thing I could see happening, you could definitely see the tension there. Do you, like you said, do you put Jake the Snake to the side, but maybe turn Lance Archer babyface? 
Right. Because you could see where there could be tension between Archer and Cage to make for a pretty good match. You know, um, again, you know, I... <sighs> Mixed emotions about Brian Cage tagging with Archer because I think, again, not putting Cage under the bus, but I think Archer would outshine Cage. See, and what I think AEW has got to bring back for a stable, and you look back to the old WWF days where you had the Heenan family, or you had the Jimmy Hart and his group. Jimmy Hart may have had this tag team here. He had the Hart Foundation, and he had Adrian Adonis. But you never saw the mix. No. So that's what I'm saying. If Taz brought, or, or Jake Roberts, whoever sticks around, you bring Brian Cage and Ricky Starks out as a tag team once. Then later, kind of like what Tully's doing with Sean Spears and yep. FTR. Yep. You're, you're not mixing them. You keep them separate, but they're all yours still. Yep. That's the type of stables I want to see come back. I don't want to see this whole NWO, DX, all this where all of them have to be together helping each other all the time. A manager can manage four or five different people and not have them be sticking their nose in everybody else's business. And I think that's what AEW is doing smart with their factions. Yes, they have multiple factions and, you know, in some ways maybe too many. But at the same time, they're not really... They're not really a faction as they are so much a stable because of the fact you're not there. You don't see them all together. You know, you see them individually and they're showcased individually where you take like, again, not to bring WWE up, but you take like a group like the Hurt Business. They're always together. Right. They always got to be with each other. Um, And I think, you know, I, I think that that's not, that's not good. Right. And, you know, they got, they got to keep them separate. Like Santana and Ortiz were doing their bit against the best friends tag team, but you didn't see Jake, Jake Hager and Sammy yeah. Guevara and Chris Jericho sticking their nose in. That's what I liked. Cause if it was, you know, WWF, you would saw them all interfering. Now with that said, of course, Orange Cassidy interfered at the end of that match, but that's part of the bit with those three with best friends and Orange Cassidy, how, Cassie's always there. Those who come in. Well, and, and and the thing is, you got to remember, just like you know, like you were saying about Blanchard and FTR and Sean Spears. Same concept with best friends. Like, yes, they're the three of them are acquainted, and you know that they're they're they're, they're a trio. But Orange Cassidy's doing his bit. Best friends are you know you know, uh, you know. Trent and them are doing their bit. And I think the reason it worked with Orange Cassidy coming out of the car the way it did, because you never expected it. it there was so much going on. You didn't know what was going to happen. You, you, to me, I expected, I expected to see Jericho or, or Hager come out. I didn't, ex- you didn't expect to see nobody come to the aid of like best friends. Right. And, and, and that's yeah. why it worked. And that, that's how I said it. That's how it works. That's how I like that. Now, with this, I think that kind of put an end to that rivalry with those. You're going to see them all branch off on their own. One thing I mentioned last week on the regular Sports and Songs podcast was about Matt Hardy. At the pay-per-view, yes, he did have a, a legit injury. There was issues on that. It was concussion protocol. How it was all carried out. Their match went fast. Like I said before, that was not a work that that happened. That was not a, a setup. Now, this week on AEW and all of a sudden, 
Oh, let's go to the back. Oh, someone came out. No one hurt Matt's knee. That's fake. His knee's fine. Right. This is a storyline to get him off the air for a few weeks to get better from the quote, quote, con- concussion he did or didn't have. So let me just clarify that. The pay-per-view match with Sammy Guevara, Matt Hardy was le- legitimately injured. Last week, the sneak attack on his knee that, oh, no one saw, that's a storyline. That's to get him off TV for a while. Is it smart? I think that's a smart way to get Matt off TV for a while. Because um, he was supposed to, he's managing private party. They went against Jericho and Hager and funny, Matt Hardy's hurt. And here comes Jericho and Hager going, oh, we don't know what happened. That, I think, was good writing to get him off. Your thoughts? Yeah, Yes, that was good writing to get him off. The one thing I'm really getting tired of, and, you know, because you've been hearing it from everybody, you know, it, that, that, that's all. I mean, and again, you know, people talk, whatever, they got their opinions, that's fine. I am so tired of throw, of people throwing Sammy Guevara under the bus and saying, right. oh, you know that he that that you know that that he's an unsafe worker that you know he did Matt Hardy wrong oh this and oh that you know okay maybe the, the chair bit okay fine maybe he grabbed the wrong chair Th- shit happens you know I've been in the ring things have happened they weren't meant to happen you know you don't hold a grudge you know it's not like like they say in the business it's not ballet you know it's not you know when you go in there. Yeah, you go in there to take care of each other. Things happen. Sometimes you get caught up in the moment. Guys are, you know, guys are doing their bit. Things happen. You know, yeah. I mean, but stop throwing guys under the bus, you know, because in my opinion, and this is something I don't think people think about or look at, if he was that unsafe of a worker, they wouldn't have put him back in the ring or Matt yeah. Hardy would have not had to wanted to work with him again. Matt Hardy has not blamed him at all. And when you talk about people not being safe or things set up on the Being the Elite podcast or Being the Elite YouTube show that the Bucks have for AW, they showed a bit from the last pay per view where Matt Sindall came in. Um, he was going to do his move off the top rope. I saw that. Now, I- this is filmed outside, folks. Humidity was 107 degrees. He slipped on the rope. Legitimate condensation slipped. No one's fault of their own. But. What in the humor end of it of watching Being the Elite on YouTube, the Bucks edited in something where they had some guy went out and they showed like he was putting water or Vaseline on the turnbuckle before the match, just to kind of right ha 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 right. So if you watch Being the Elite, that's comedy stuff that no one really did that. Yes, they show real matches in there and have other angles, but that when Matt Sindall slipped on that top rope, that was pure condensation on the rope. That was what we just call like. Jason was just saying, it happens. You, humidity outside happens. You accidentally grab the wrong chair. Um, you lose your footing. It happens. I, I mean, mean, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I was in a hardcore match towards the end of my, towards you know, the end of my before, right before I retired, um, and it was me, it was me and six other guys, and I and I had wrestled with everybody that was in the match, never. You know, nobody's never heard of each other. We've always went out, had a good time, you know, put on, you know, put on our match, um, you know, and, and went out and did our thing. And one of the guy and, and I sat there and got caught up in the moment and I had grabbed the chair and I had, I had hauled off and hit the guy on the back. But what, but the mistake that I made was I didn't hit him with the right side of the chair. 
Oh, and I and but it was it was a it wasn't done purposely. It was an accident. And you know when we got to the back, he's like, you know, you hit me with the wrong side of of the chair. And I said, no, I didn't. And I go, I completely apologize. He goes, no sweat. He goes, I just wanted to. He goes, I just wanted to let you know. He goes, just in case you didn't know. And I said, no, I didn't. And he goes, it's cool. He goes, if it was anybody else, I'd have went off on them. But we've known each other. It was a mishap. We shook hands, hugged. I asked him if he was okay. Nothing a couple of beers can't take care of afterwards. And after that, we were good. Yep. I mean, you know, shit happens. Now, that happens in the ring. You hear people saying that. There's also one thing happened in AEW this week. Um, people work stiff, they call it. Yep. Explain that term real quick if someone's working stiff. Stiff just means stiff just means that they're they're really throwing it in, you know. They're you know sometimes you know a guy wants something to look good, so they throw that extra oomph into it, you know, to make it look good. And sometimes they they hit you a lot harder than they're supposed to. And so I've heard some I, some old school wrestlers say they want you to work stiff because they want it to, to sell I, for a big match. I have a best friend of mine that I wrestled with in the business, and we wrestled probably like a good street four or five months and he he was he was pretty green when he got into the business and the first time we wrestled uh the finish was called you know for you know for for the knucks you know he said you know the the gimmick was you know the the finish was i pull the knucks out sucker punch them one two three whatever that that was the finish and i said to him before the match i said how hard do you want me to go with the brass knucks and he said go as hard as you want and I didn't intentionally do it. I, you know, I went stiff cause that's what he wanted me to do. And I, and I work snug. I work stiff and I accidentally wound up bruising his jaw. Yep. And afterwards, you know, afterwards, you know, he's like, he goes, dude, you know, you bruised my jaw. I go, I didn't intentionally do it. He goes, no sweat. He goes, I told you to go stiff. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm really, you know, again, I apologize for it. It wasn't intentional. He goes, no, he goes, I told you to go stiff. He goes, I would do it again for you. Right. And afterwards, you know, hugged, shook hands, and, you know, went out, had a beer, and to this day we laugh about it. And he said he told me a few weeks ago, he goes, you know that 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 shot you gave me with the Nux? I said, Yeah, what? He said, I'd do it all over again. Now, with that being said, you look back to AW last week, the ladies match. Thunder Rosa. The other guy was not selling for her. Selling means you get hit, you fall down, look right. hurt. She was bouncing up. Those two started going at it in a little bit in the match. You could kind of see it in there. When I first saw it, I didn't I didn't catch it. I just thought they're trying to really sell this ladies' match. This is really cool. They're really stepping it right. up. I didn't know that one got jacked at the other and started going off. I thought they just turned it up a little bit for a well, bit. Well, and and you know, you you asked me like what work and stuff is. Now here's here's another thing that, you know, people that aren't in the wrestling business don't understand. Now you were you were talking about selling. Yep. Now, a lot of times in the business, if you're in the ring with somebody and let's say, let's say, let's, let's just say the guy is being a stooge and he just doesn't want to sell for you. One way to get him to sell is you go stiff. Yeah. If the, if, if, if you're working a certain body part and that person's not selling for you, you know, like, like if say they're working, the, say they're working the league and, and you, whatever, one way to get them to work stiff is they might start kicking you in the thighs and, you know, and the thing is. Japanese workers, or, or I'm sorry, Japan workers, they work stiff from the beginning. Right. They are, they are stiff workers. They are stiff from the beginning. They don't know any other way other than to work stiff. You know, when they, when they 
throw their kicks or they're laying their chops in or whatever it is That's that right. they're Shinsuke doing. Nakamura, they call it hard, kick a hard style. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, they, when they throw their kicks, they throw their kicks. You're not just hearing the sound. You're, that's what you get. You're not hearing my hand slap my side. <laughs> You're hearing my boot hit your, your shoulder. I mean, I've seen, I've seen a guy, I've seen, you know, a guy get chopped so hard in the ring from taking chops, his chest blood. Right. I mean, that's, that's snug. That's stiff. King of Strong style, they call it. I mean, yep. it, you know, but that, but you know, yeah, if a guy, if a person's not selling, yeah, that's one way to get them to sell. You throw a stiff shot in. Right. Now, we've had a good time here talking. Our, our half hour is almost up. A couple other things, Jason, I want to bring up about is, like I said, NWA had their pay-per-view a couple weeks ago. I was, I was, it was an NWA pay-per-view. It was just another indie show. Camille worked at it. Uh, she did good in her match. And then Nick Aldis went against uh, Mike Kanellis. Um, and Aldis won, of course, kept his belt. Camille won. Those are the only two NWA people on there. I've not heard a lot of other NWA guys working. Um, like I said, we've talked about James Storm maybe going to AEW. A. Kingston has. Thunder Rose is wrestling there. Ricky Starks has gone there. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express have shown up there. They're more or less just oh, PR yeah, people. Damian Sendell, like you said, has worked there. You know, yeah, I'd like to see Damian come back. Um, some other guys might come back. <clears throat> With that said, say NWA said, hey, we're coming back in a couple weeks. Kind of like some of these pro sports are coming right, back right, now. Right, right, How long would it... Do you think these guys have been keeping the ring rust off? Do you think some of them have been wrestling indies every now and then? And if not, how long? It's been since March or April. Yes, these guys are professionals. How long to get the ring rust off to get back into the swing of things? I mean, it all depends on the worker. I mean, you got, I mean, guys like James Storm and stuff, I don't think they're going to have a problem. I think a lot of them, you know, I'd have to say, if I had to take a guess, a lot of them are probably over in Japan, you know, keeping, keeping the ring rust off or, you know, work. Now, one guy I got to, one guy I got to throw props out to. I know, you know, we're times on this stuff, but one person I think we forgot to talk about, I think that deserves a, I think he deserves fireworks. MJF. Yes. That man is one of the best sellers in the business. He is a great worker. He can cut a great promo for fans that do not like MJF. I, I suggest you sit down and you really pay attention and watch this man because here is a guy that you were taught. We were talking about up and coming stars. That man Sky's the limit. Another two years, he's going to have the world title. Now, AW, Miro started this week, formerly Rusev in WWE. He did an interview on a podcast. He said he's got no problem with anybody except Pac. He will not work with Pac. He didn't have very nice words to say about him. I guess something happened in a match years ago. I heard that he was, that Pac apparently was responsible for for Miro breaking his elbow bone or elbow something like or that. a peck or something yeah, like that. Something like that. So I got thinking that after hearing one, he says I want to wrestle Pac. I'm like, man, I haven't heard his name in AEW for a while. What's going on? So I looked it up. What happened to Pac? Since this thing started back in what March or April, right? He was in England. He can't fly over. Well, that's because the- AEW really follows these guidelines for coronavirus. Like we're not going to let you fly in here and see because Pac wants to come in for a week, do his show, and go back, which they used to back in the day. He can't fly in, wait for two weeks to do a show. He'd have to stay here a while, and he doesn't want to do that. So Pac is not under a 
contract issue with them or anything else. It's the whole pandemic lockdown. Yes, people are traveling, but you know what? He wants to travel back and forth between Florida and England week to week and can't. So that's the well, issue. And that's, that. what, and, well, and that's what I thought the issue was in the yeah. beginning was, you know, the whole flight issue yeah. with the whole travel. And I didn't think it was because he was on bad terms. Yeah, there's no bad terms. No contract. Just, He's just yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole COVID, the whole COVID, COVID situation yeah, has caused right. why we haven't seen Pac on TV. Now with Rusev Miro being there in AW, I'm very excited for that. Um, I think he could be a good worker to watch. I just think in the next year, yeah, they got AEW Dark, but they're going to need another TV show because they just got so many guys now. Oh, and they're over. You know, you're talking about, you know, Jericho calls himself the demo god. You know, that you know, I want to say real quick about that, too. You know, they're, AEW is way over the ratings with, with, with winning the wars. I mean, yes. they are... They're 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 destroying the the competition, you know. Without making, you know, yeah. Um, and I think they're going to continue. I think you know. I think they're doing everything right. I think AEW is the sky's the limit. All right, Jason. I thank you for your time. Thank you for the visit here in the tattoo parlor once again. Not this a week. problem. Always come back. We'll be back here a couple weeks. I'll get close to pay per views and that. We'll see what's going on, and we'll continue this. Anything, please let us know on the Facebook page at Sports and Songs. Uh, questions, concerns, comments. Um, We'd love to hear from you. R- real quick, um, I, you know, like I said in the beginning of the program, uh, I want you, I want the fans to sit there and give me and Andy feedback on. Give me, I want everybody to make up a list of the top five people that they think the GM might be. Right, you could you could put use that your in. use your imagination. It doesn't have to be WWE. Yeah. It doesn't have to be WCW. It can be anybody. Think Go of, outside the box. I mean, I threw, I, as you saw on the Facebook page, I threw Mick Foley's name out there. Kind of fantasy book in a way like we did last time. Who would you like to see? Who's your... Right. But no, let's not go back in the archives and have it be someone who's <laughs> passed, okay? Someone who could legitimately still walk and talk today. Don't go back and say, I'd like to see Nick Bockwinkle do it. Okay, Nick's not with us anymore. That can't happen. So pick somebody who's still around, all right? We want to see the feedback. And in about a month or so, we'll get together. We'll hook up again and do this. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, we're back. Album of the week this week. <clears throat> For episode 40, we got a special. A listener recommended special album of the week this week. Michael Jackson Thriller. Michael Jackson Thriller. Now, this is interesting. Thriller is a sixth studio album by American singer Michael Jackson, released on November 30th, 1982, by Epic Records. Reunited with off-the-wall producer Quincy Jones, Jackson was inspired to create an album where every song was a killer. With the ongoing backlash against disco, Jackson moved in a new musical direction incorporating pop, post-disco, rock, and funk. Thriller foreshadows the contradictory themes of Jackson's personal life as he began using a motif of paranoia and darker themes. The album features a single guest appearance with Paul McCartney becoming the first artist to be featured on Jackson's albums. Recording took place between April 1982 and November 1982 at Westlake Recording Studios in Los Angeles with a production budget of $750,000. So let me bring this up here. I've got a uh, 
little album cover here. Michael Michael Jackson Thriller. Thriller became Jackson's first number one album on the Billboard Top LPs and Top Tapes chart, where it spent a record 31, 37 weeks at number one. So, so imagine this, Andy. We got 37 weeks at number one. And from this, this went from February 26th of 83 to April 14th of 84. The album was released in 1982. So it spends 37 weeks at number one. Now, the Thriller music video. Remember, this, this is a 14-minute music video on MTV. Uh, became the best... Uh, the Thriller music video was premiered to great anticipation in December of 1983. Uh, now, you probably remember that very well. It's in our time frame, our genre, our lifetime. Uh, me, as a, as a rock guy, heavy metal guy, hard rock enthusiast... I remember watching that video uh, whenever it appeared on video type of shows and Friday night videos and things like that when it was unreal. Um, and so this was a, I became a fan of this album myself. Um, so that MTV was really huge. It started playing regularly on MTV, which also increased the sales of this album. Uh, the, with 32 million copies sold worldwide by the by the end of 1983. Now for the music fans out there, one million records in the U.S. is considered platinum. That's a very achievable goal, and uh, many of the albums we review on this show are two to three times platinum, sometimes four or five times platinum. This sold 32 million in one year worldwide. Thriller became the best-selling album of all time by the 1983. It was the best-selling album worldwide of 1983, and it was also the first album to become the best-selling in the United States for two years. <coughs> best-selling in 1983 and best-selling in 1984, back-to-back -back years. And so this was this this album was unreal. The other reason, Andy, that this album went so high up on the charts was the number of releases, the number of singles released. Seven singles off a single album. Usually you see your your staple here, uh, two, two or three, or one or two singles released. Sometimes even four on, on a good album, but this had seven. They started off in October of 1982 with The Girl Is Mine. Then, January of 83, they release Billie Jean. February of 1983. The month later, Beat It is released, which includes a guitar solo by Eddie Van Halen. The fourth release was May, Want to Be Starting Something. Human Nature was released two months later in July, just in time for the July 4th holiday, the song Human Nature. Then we don't get anything till September 19th. On this day, in 1983, they released PYT, Pretty Young Thing. And then finally, the last single, in fact, the most popular song with the music video was Thriller, wasn't released, that song, on November 2nd of 1983. So this album, Andy, uh, 
it, it, it went all across the board with, with the music and the type and the style of music. Thriller, the album, explores genres including pop, post-disco, rock, and funk. And it was um, very well done. Every single song here is good. Now the cover, you can see, listeners can see the cover of the album here. The cover of the Thriller features Jack Jackson in a white suit that belonged to photographer Dick Zimmerman. The gatefold sleeve reveals a tiger cub at Jackson's leg, which according to Zimmerman, Jackson kept away from his face, fearing he would be scratched. Another picture from the shoot with Jackson embracing the cub was used for the 2001 special edition of Thriller. Music videos. <clears throat> like I said, that Thriller, when that was released, that's a 14-minute music video with Vincent Price doing the narration. And they had uh, a, lot of, a lot of external folks come in to do songs or record sections of the music for this album. A lot of guests. Epic Records also reflected on the importance of this album. More than just an album, Thriller has remained a global, cultural, multimedia phenomena, phenomenon for both the 20th and 21st centuries, smashing the musical barriers and changing the frontiers of pop forever. The music on Thriller is so dynamic and singular that it defied any definition of rock, pop, or soul that had gone before. Very, uh, very broad, uh, the album, very broad. And, of course, 2001, they did a reissue as an expanded set. People can get a hold of that. Here's the track, track listing on Thriller. Song number one, Want to Be Starting Something. Song two, Baby, Be Mine. Song three, The Girl Is Mine. This is the song with Paul McCartney on solos as well, on, on vocal. Song four, Thriller. Song five, Beat It. Song six, Billie Jean. Song seven, Human Nature. Song eight, PYT. Pretty young thing. Song nine, The Lady In My Life. Total running track, 42 minutes, 19 seconds. Now, on track 8, pretty young thing. Not sure if folks realize this. Background vocals. It is. Background vocals by Janet Jackson and Latoya Jackson on that song. Song track number 8. They are on background vocals. And I'm not even sure... Janet was just up and coming at the time. Were they both relatively unknown? At the time, yeah. Okay. I think Janet was just getting over the whole uh, being a good time and starting her own career. And Eddie Van, uh, Eddie Van Halen, of course, does the guitar solo on uh, uh, Beat It. But this really crossed over uh, this album with uh, music, uh, post-disco, funk, and rock were all included in this album. Uh, any Anything in particular that jumps out at you, Andy? I, I just remember, like I said, PYT was my favorite song on the album. I remember that one for Andy. That was, because it was different from the other ones. Yeah. Like, 
know, that whole song in this movie was just different. And the album, it covered so many different things. You didn't have to change radio stations. At least that whole album would kind of cover the entire music spectrum. Little disco, little rock, little pop. It was all in that one. Uh, Type of guy. I flip stations. First time I flip to a different station. I don't, I don't care if I listen to the same music all the time. That album did that for me. It was all different formats. One album. And the other, the, the last uh, item to note here, you know, because he sold, this album sold so much uh, around the world, and and even when that Thriller video came out, it was running twice an hour to meet the demand on MTV. Thriller video was running twice per hour. Uh, it's 15-minute videos. That's 30 minutes of your one hour right there was that song. And then... Uh, after Jackson's death uh, in, in June of 2009, Thriller actually set additional records. It sold more than 100,000 copies. Just in the week after this, and that, that's that's considered gold status right there. This was after the man dies, uh, placing it number two on the top pop catalog albums chart. Um, so this is this is one of the most uh, most listened to albums and songs in music uh, history. But thank you for you still do, and and thanks once again. We're looking for recommendations on the show um, and and suggestions for uh, for album reviews. So for episode thir- forty here on sports and songs, we're doing Michael Jackson Thriller. All right, that's all I've got. All right. What I've got, um, you'll see, not on the video part, but those listening on Anchor, at the very end of this, after this, you're going to hear my special interview with Jason Inc. There's some big news coming from AEW lately. The extra wrestling part after the album part here, you'll hear at the very end. So, sorry, you don't see the whole episode to catch that. I'd not hurt if you've already seen the video and you want to get to the audio and skip through to the end, fine. We're going to put it at the end after this. Awesome. Thanks and have a good week.